0: welcome back to the retail initiative i'm so glad you're here this is going to be a super cool episode with me i have candace from pet boss nation Uh, now if you aren't a pet retailer i realize that you probably are like oh this isn't for me Uh, but honestly she is one of the best minds in retail right now and i think that we have a lot those of us not in the pet world we have a lot that we can learn from this industry there are so many things that they do well, uh, from the way they do experiential retail to the way they have to really think about the way they add value to their customers uh, and and the various experience things that they do. So I think this is going to be a really cool episode uh, for those of you listening. I'll cue the theme and we'll jump right in. Uh, and for those of you watching, we're just going to jump right into the interview. So see you soon. The rules of retail are changing. One by one, corporate retailers are closing their doors, and some call it the death of retail. But those rules never apply to independent retailers like us. We're writing our own rules. We're here to answer the questions about how to grow your business, stay competitive, and still have a life. I'm Josh Orr, and this is the Retail Initiative Podcast. Well, Thanks for tuning in to the Retail Initiative Podcast. I am so excited to have my guest, Candace. Hey, Candace.
1: Hey, how are you, Josh?
0: I am great. So glad to be here. Uh, if you don't know who Candace is, uh, especially if you're not in the pet world, uh, she runs Pet Boss Nation, and they are an incredible group that I, of course, I'd love for her to share uh, more about it. Um, but they help so many retailers grow their businesses in so many different ways. And so honestly, even if you're not in the pet world, I think you're in for a treat. I think you're, I didn't mean to talk about it. you're in for a treat for the pet business. <laughs> the
1: Pun in, uh, pun is intended. <laughs> pun,
0: well, unintended, but I'll now make it intended. Uh, you're in for a treat. And if you're in the pet industry, oh my gosh, like she is, honestly, I can't think of anyone that I would say you should be listening to more than her so um candace why don't you share like tell me what is pet boss and what do you do for the pet community
1: well, thank you for that awesome introduction, Josh. I really appreciate it. And thanks for having me here today. I'm excited to talk to all retailers because honestly, I am more passionate about business development than I am about helping you with your pet's nutrition and their gas. <laughs> <Right>? like, <laughs> there's a pet retailer that's like, we talk about dog poo and gas like more than anything else. Uh, So it's fun now in the business world to um, talk about other things like building your business. And that's what we help pet professionals with at Pet Boss Nation is we help them with improving their sales, um, making marketing a little bit easier, and then also helping them improve their leadership. Right. I think a lot of us get into our businesses because we're passionate about whatever the subject is. And then we realize we need to hire a team. And, you know, that can become its own challenge. Right. Is how we show up as a leader. So What we do now, I've been in the pet industry since 2004 as a retailer, doggy daycare owner, grooming salon owner. I've had a dog walking business. I even um, made our own dog bakery treats and sold wholesale at trade shows. Uh, the one thing I don't think I ever really did was have this big elaborate online store, which, um, if I did, I would have worked with you for sure. But, um, uh, what we do now is we just help, um, you know, independent pet businesses, uh, have a community, see success and just help them like have a place to go if they need their questions answered. And then of course we help people on the back end like with our programs and one-on-one coaching and stuff.
0: Sure, which I would love to you know, give you the opportunity to share more about that here in a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned something that I think is really valuable is this idea that people get in into retail a lot of times because we're so passionate about whatever it is that we sell, whether it be fashion or home decor, or in your case, pet, which honestly is very, very common in the pet world. It's kind of like the outdoor industry, like just people very, very passionate about it. But at cert, at some point, it flips to, oh, this is, like, this isn't a hobby. This is a real thing. What would you say is, um, you know, like for that person who's at that point, they're realizing, okay, this is a business. This isn't a hobby. I'm really ready to start taking it to the next level. You know, you mentioned building a team. What is kind of that biggest, that first big piece of advice that you give to that person? It's like, I know I need to grow, but what do I need to be focusing on right now?
1: Money. It's always about the money. I feel like, you know, again, because we get into these because we're passionate mm-hmm. about business, about the subject, that we don't pay attention to the money. And whether that's how much money's coming in and how much money's going out or how we price our products, that's probably, for me, when I meet retailers, There's they don't know how to price their products. And they're following a formula that is either given to them by the brands Or they're doing what other people they see other people doing, or they're trying to price match the internet. And so I feel like you know paying attention to what you price your products at first, making sure you have enough margin, and then working on um, improving your your buying, you know, improving um, what you're actually paying for it, right? Decreasing that cost of what you're paying for it to improve your margin. And then if you can master kind of that, or start to improve your money flow, your cash flow, you have money to invest in your team and pay yourself, right? So, you know, a lot of us, we need the team to get to where we want to go. But if the pricing and sourcing is broken, <laughs> you will be in trouble really quickly.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think that's so true that if, you know, it's kind of this idea of we, we always want to look at the future and be like, okay, if I could just get to this point, and then this whole problem is going to go away. It, you know, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, you're trying to lose weight and you could work out all you want. And there's, you know, that phrase, you can't outrun your fork. And <laughs> if you don't get this piece under control, if you don't get that diet under control, the result of health isn't going to happen. True. It seems that finances are one of the like key things of if, if this piece isn't under control, any other thing we do, no marketing company, no right. e-commerce company, no anything else is going to solve Can
1: that. Can save you, yeah, no.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, so I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that COVID, uh, the whole every uh, everything, everything over the last few years has really shifted a lot. So now specifically in the pet world. What do you see that's really shifted that retailers namely pet but across the board what are they needing to think about in a different way that might be different from what you would have advised or or said two years ago
1: so what's interesting about the pet retail space is that they are like booming and exhausted right so they Mm. were considered essential because it was almost like a grocery store especially if they sold dog foods and treats right they were they were allowed to be open and everyone panic bought and came in and I have clients that their entire stores were being wiped out of these pet supply stores and so then they're ordering from their distributors um, almost an entire like a, another refilling their whole store and then the distribution system got backed up because they didn't have enough trucks and drivers to meet the demand to refill all of these stores so in the early stages of it, it was total chaos. And everyone was (laughs) like just trying to keep up with the demand. And then the second wave that came through was that people bought and rescued more pets. And so now our consumer base just jumped too. So there were all these people in the market who are now coming to to their businesses. And you'd think that a lot of them were were shopping online and a lot were for sure. Um but a lot of people wanted to support local businesses too. And again that pet retailer, they were just still so busy. Um you know, just trying to keep up. And then the third wave is just that we don't have the team to support these store owners. And a lot of people that I've talked to now that maybe had built that team and have been able to work their perfect schedule and manage certain aspects of the business that they really enjoy. Now they are in the trenches working all the hours and they've had to make adjustments to even their store hours, right? Like they've had to close specific days of the week so that they can just get a day off. And and even that their team can get a day off because they just don't have enough coverage and employees to cover all the shifts that they maybe did. You know, when I had my pet store, we were open from 10 in the morning until eight o'clock at night, seven days a week. Um, Just because I felt like that would help me compete and get all the sales. But I think the reality is that, you know, your customer base is going to shop with you regardless. And consumers have kind of know that now. And there's a little bit more forgiveness of like how you're going to, how you decide as a business owner, you're going to structure how you do business. Mm -hmm. I I feel personally, I feel like the public has been more flexible with that. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think in general that has that is what has happened in the pet retail space. Pet service providers are a whole nother beast because no, you know nobody's using doggy daycare. Or, I shouldn't say nobody; they weren't in the beginning. Now it's all it is coming back. But doggy daycare boarding, you know, people weren't traveling, people didn't need pet sitters, so that side of the industry is is very different. But um, our retailers have been slammed. Their revenue is up significantly. They're anywhere from twenty-five to fifty percent up the, year after year. Even twenty twenty-one is up that much from twenty twenty. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy good, I guess. But they're <laughs> they're exhausted.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think at least the piece that's been on my mind because you know I'm getting a lot of people that are reaching out, um, talking about the, all of the things that they're wanting to do. But then I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about your team. And like, oh, well, I lost my whole team. And frankly, I think that sometimes we need to see where are we in business right now? Is this a time that is a growth period that I really need to be investing in growth, meaning like financial growth and bringing in new customers revenue and all of that? Or is this a time that honestly, like we need to keep the ship together together? I, I almost wanted to have a cuss word there because it would have applied also. Keep, keep the dog um, food together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we need to keep that together and mm-hmm. really just focus on sustaining what exists and then expanding infrastructure that can yeah. support the growth that will happen. Um, yeah. Because honestly, mental health and the how exhausted it this whole season can be, mm-hmm. I think because in the entrepreneurial world, this idea of, Growth, 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 which, believe me, I'm all on board for. It it can't be done at the cost of, like, at the end of the day, if you don't grow healthy, what are you really doing?
1: Right, like, your quality of life is still important. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Yeah, so obviously, my bias is e-commerce and. Mm Um, my company helps brick and mortar retailers that are wanting to gain traction online. Um, but in the pet world, it does look different. It's not yes. um, shipping a 40 pound bag of dog food <laughs> yes. is not like shipping a, uh, a top or right. a candle. Yes. So where, where do you see e-commerce? Let's even go forward like yeah. two years from now. I say that to kind of remove the idea of a shutdown or whatever. Maybe I'm just wrong. And if you're listening to this in 2024, I, I know nothing. But let's just assume that some things have eased up a few years from now. Where, where do you see e-commerce fitting in in the pet world a few years from now?
1: So it's interesting because, you know, many of our retailers, again, if we're talking about like independent, which I feel like is truly like, you know, 10 locations or less, you know, there's a, there's a huge group of, of independent pet stores that are, you know, single locations or maybe even up to five. Um, but there are many, many stores that have, or businesses that have, you know, 20, 25 or 200 locations, right. Like the big box stores. So let's talk specifically about like independent pet. And, you know, I think that, in two years, they 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 will still be very successful without having an online store. Only because, um, people love to take their dogs to places and they love to get out with their pet and go and go experience things. They love the dog to walk around and smell the treats and get the free treats and pick the treat out of the bakery case. Like there are and they have to try on clothing and try on harnesses and so there is an element I think that that pet will bring makes the local pet business actually still really work. But there's a huge missed opportunity that these retailers who haven't found a way to be online, um, there is a missed opportunity there. But I know why it exists. And like you said, there's lots of challenges that are just different in the pet space, like the dog food being too heavy to ship, or a lot of um, independent pet retailers now carry more fresh food, raw frozen food, and they have freezers and they can't ship that stuff um they also have a lot of cbd and hemp products now too that they you know can't put cbd online
0: <laughs> oh yeah
1: and they're getting shut down and so um and honestly there's just so many skews in the pet world like they you know all the different sizes of bags all the different flavors grain free knots you know um and a lot of the small independent stores just don't have the space to dedicate to a shipping area their product varies in size. You know, a dog toy can be little or it can be massive. <laughs> and it's like, how many boxes do you, have do you order and how do you pack it all? It's just clunky and kind of cumbersome, um, to have an online shipping business for some pet businesses. So they just avoid it because they're like, you know, and especially right now I'm making money anyway, so why do it? But, it's important that those, the if you can find somebody like yourself, like I know you've recently worked with some of our Pet Boss Club members, which is so, so mm-hmm. cool. I know Patty Zeller, you just did her website, right? Yeah. Um, from Animal Connect. Connection. And so if more of them, I think, can get over the fear of the tech and actually find ways to maybe not feel like they have to sell everything, but have some stuff. And if there's, you know, you know you're the expert here on this, but if there's ways to, separate out like what can be picked up locally versus what is allowed to be shipped. Or Mm -hmm. I know another big fear is that it's like, well, but what if it's not in stock in my store and it has to be special ordered, like demystifying all of those pain points that this retailer is going to experience and making it easy for them to come online is is going to be um, really important if anyone, if Mm -hmm. they're going to do it.
0: Sure. Yeah. and, And honestly, you know, I'll get on calls with people, in fact, this happened to me yesterday, uh, where I was like, it doesn't sound like you should be doing this. Yeah. I don't I don't think it fits your goals. I don't think it fits your lifestyle. Um, so let's say that one of your members gets on a coaching call with you and ask you, hey, I'm really thinking about launching online. I'm thinking about adding e-commerce. Um, what might be the thing? Like if you were to leave them with a a point of like, hey, think about this. If the answer is yes or, or whatever then you probably should start pursuing this but if it, if it's not maybe you should focus on these other areas what do you think would be that big domino let's say let's say it like that um that would that would make you say like yes e-commerce is a good idea for you versus you know hey let's focus on some other things
1: if the business owner really uh, understands that e-commerce needs to be its own, it's like its own department inside your business it needs. It needs it's its own business model that needs its love and attention. And I would ask this person if they have an additional team member who can be focused on just this piece of the business, whether it's updating descriptions and adding new products, or if it's just processing the order, right. And pulling it from the store shelves and getting, making sure that their point of sale systems updated. Like there needs to be a dedicated team member to doing, to doing this. And then, as you know, we can't just build it and hope they come. There has to be a marketing plan to drive the traffic to your website. And I don't think, you know, again, I, I feel like you can do this with a pretty small budget still and start to build some momentum, but you have to be willing to spend some money on maybe Facebook ads or Instagram ads, or you have to be willing to start to believe that Instagram can work for you by being consistent and pressing all the buttons and trying different things, but that takes an investment of either your time or your money to have somebody else do it. You're not just going to build it and the orders are going to start coming in. You know, you have to really understand that just like your existing brick and mortar business has its own nuances. This online store is also going to just, is going to need attention and can't just be built and forgotten.
0: Absolutely. I completely agree. I, <clears throat> You know the my like core concept, and if you've been listening to this podcast at all, um, it's this idea that I think COVID really brought this forward. But that we are a brand; we're not a store with a website or a store with an Instagram. We are a brand that serves customers wherever they are and wherever we are. And the truth is that I think, like Shopify, for example, you know, there's so many good themes out there, and people talk about it all the time. And I think there's this, this idea of like, oh, I can just go get a theme, put some images up, and then I'm going to start making money. And where I typically say like, oh, no, we're not a fit. This isn't really where you should focus is this idea that we're just going to throw this online and then orders are going to start coming in, just like you said, as though it were passive income. And it really is, just like you said, it is a almost a completely other store. hmm it is location one, location two. And this other location takes almost just as much energy. Now, there's some things you don't have to do in the same way. You don't have to staff it to the same degree where you're dealing with schedules to make sure that whatever overlaps at the right times, so your store hours, there's some flexibility there that lends to things like remote staff and things that you couldn't have done mm-hmm. with your store. But to think that you're going to take your sales associate and all of a sudden have them doing these other things, it's probably not going to work out right. like we would hope. Um, and it takes so much effort to create that online experience yeah. like we would want.
1: And and there are a lot of, um, you know, there's some catalogs already out there and there are some platforms that do make it easy to like get your inventory up online and they can, they own, you know, the options are to, to for in-store pickup or local delivery, they you know, aren't, they're not the perfect solution though, either. They're going to have their challenges because things can be customized or, you know, you know, (laughs) everything, everything can sometimes be a challenge, right? Nothing's easy. Where's my easy button and everything in this life, right? Where is it? So, (laughs) but, and the other thing that's really interesting in the pet space that I feel like maybe um, women's boutiques or home decor, not, not in every category, but pet is very brand driven. And so because it's brand driven, um, you know, consumers are looking at a lot of they're looking at the brand online, and there's just so many places to buy it. So another thing I would say to retailers is to or pet retailers specifically is to take take that cue from the women's boutique industry, where maybe it's a private label brand or the brand isn't really significant. It's about what the t-shirt says, right? or what the toy looks like. It's not so much about this specific dog food or this specific treat. you know, and maybe if you really want to build an online store, how can you take your own brand and personality and develop some products or find products that are more unique? And that, that would be one way to, to kind of go about it to, to be different. But because also because it's so brand driven, um, and I would just want to mention this since there's pet people listening, hopefully, but there is a company, um, Next Paw, who just launched One Bark, and they have built a store locator that is free for brands and retailers to get on. And what it help does is, you know, in, in, the, in the pet world, or probably not even just pet, but any any world where the brands put their store locators up, they're very clunky and they're outdated and um, they've found a way to make it easy. And so when the consumer might lo- love that brand and they go to the brand's website, instead of buying from the brand, the brands usually now want to drive, you know, if they're signed up for this program, they want to drive the traffic to the local store. Mm-hmm. But this is a, a great store locator that prioritizes the independent stores versus going to your petco's um, or buying on amazon because some of the brand locators do that right now so yeah. i just mentioned that because you know we have to collaborate with our brands and that's a resource i think that if you're not ready to have an online store yet you still can have a great digital presence by allowing consumers to find you in a really easy way
0: i love that yeah um and honestly for the pet world i think the piece that i would um, leave you with, cause I want to transition the conversation some universally towards retail. Um, but one thing that I really like to see for pet retailers, and if I'm going to focus on launching online, if I'm in your shoes, uh, I would begin to see it not as a way to reach a national audience because people aren't, aren't buying. If I, I live in Texas, I'm not buying my pet stuff from a store in Oregon, right. uh, because it doesn't make sense. I'm going to buy it locally is seeing e-commerce as a way to increase your market saturation in your city. It's in your community. You're pushing pet, you're pushing dog food, but you're pushing it for local pickup to get them in store. Mm -hmm. It is a convenience factor. You can add subscription services around Mm -hmm. that. Um, For some of you, if, if you have the capacity, adding things like local delivery on can be a massive way to increase sales. Being that convenience factor that is something that PetSmart isn't going to be able to provide. Right. Uh, and, and going so, one step
1: further on that, what you said about the subscription is that that's why Chewy has been so successful. They lead, they get people in with this like 50% off your first bag of dog food. But their next click of the button or the next reminder or the next thing, they've made it so easy for a consumer to just go, oh, I'll put this on auto ship, which is subscription right so I think when when a lot of times retailers think they have to build a subscription business means it's this special box or it's this it, it's something else no subscription is just getting people no matter what they buy to commit to a reoccurring bill that's automated and they don't have to think about it and their product they want is going to just show up
0: <laughs> I love so that.
1: yeah I think if we can you know get yes you I love you're right. It has to be pet businesses are the local the driving in that local market for local pickup and delivery. But if there's a way that to also think, well, what's next, how can I get this customer to commit to getting this order from me um, on a regular basis so that, you know, you know, what, you know, what revenue is coming in monthly and you know what you need to order and you can plan your delivery routes effectively. Like it, it really, subscriptions ultimately do make your life easier.
0: Absolutely. I yeah I really believe that in the pet world I think that can be a massive revenue driver and honestly one of the easiest things to make e-commerce successful yeah um, and there are plenty of ways honestly where that's not even that painful to implement which is the lucky part um, so kind of pulling up a little bit the pet industry you know is booming it's growing so much and I think that uh, honestly retailers at large could I think look to the pet industry. To learn a thing or two um, and some of the ways that they've adapted over the last few years if you are a clothing boutique or a home decor business what would you look at in your in your current community uh to say like oh maybe we could learn a thing or two here and start to apply it to our business
1: okay i have four things actually <laughs> you, you asked me to be able to think about this and i was like okay and i and i've got like four things the the main thing and i don't know if this is really a thing i guess it is but it's really understanding that even if you're a store owner and you don't have a pet, uh, more than 50% of the U.S. households have at least one dog. So so half of your customer base has a pet or more actually more than half of probably like I think what is it like something like 70% of households have mm-hmm. a pet regardless of what kind of animal it is, right? So bringing into your product mix pet themed shirts, um, mugs, all of the pet themed giftware, actually will do really well for you because you already sell those things. Those products do not tend to do as well for pet stores. So because they're coming, a lot of the, just the consumer mindset is that they are buying the supplies and it's just, it works in some environments, but not all of them. So there is an opportunity for you. If there's a local pet store in your community, even to bring in those lines in your store and then start to do some collaborations where you cross promote each other in your, in your businesses. Okay. That's one. Just don't, don't miss out on your pet Opportunity, you know, your pet customer base and your in your network. Yeah. Um, the other thing is loyalty programs. I don't know if you have a um, see a lot of loyalty programs, frequent buyer programs, in other retail, but in the pet world, for many many years, decades, the dog food brands had a frequent buyer program where it's buy ten get your eleven free, or buy twelve you know eleven bags get your twelve free, and. um, That has translated for us in the pet space with awesome loyalty programs that integrate with these brands and keep that customer coming back really regularly and rewards them for their purchases with us. So I think there's probably an opportunity there.
0: Absolutely.
1: And then, um, the two next big things are really that, um, a lot of the pet retailers have also added, um, a service within their business. Whether that is a self wash station or they have a grooming salon. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have also created or treated their retail stores like gathering spaces. Okay, so they have off leash play areas for dogs, they'll have even maybe a small dog daycare setup. Some of them have coffee shops now. They have fully integrated coffee shops inside their pet supply store because they want to have a place to host events and where people come regularly, even just to get a cup of coffee. Some are even getting their packaged alcohol licenses and selling dog-themed wine and beer um, so that they can, which is awesome because it's really high margin. (laughs) So they're, they're, you know, dog foods, low margin, alcohol, high margin. And um, and so I think that there's a real opportunity there too, to- Think about your physical space and reinvent it as a place to gather or add a potential other service that complements what you already sell. I love it. And then the last thing is uh, really just becoming an expertise about, or, or sorry, expertise, <laughs> really becoming an expert in the product that you sell and the client that you have. Mm. In the pet world, A pet retailer and sales associate has to know all the different breeds of dogs or potentially even cats or birds or fish, right? Depending on what they sell, they have to know all the different breeds, which all of those breeds come in different sizes. So they really have to understand fit of their harnesses or collars or clothing. There's also the age of the dog, right? From puppy to adult dog to senior dog. In those ages, they have different habits and needs, We also have to know a lot about diet. So whether that's because of allergies that the pet might have or specific health issues that they're going through, maybe they're dealing with a weight issue because their pet parent treats them too much or gives them table scraps. I love it. There's also behavior knowledge that we have to have, like dogs that pull, there might be aggression issues, anxiety is another big thing that we get a lot of questions about. So in the pet, the pet retailer is so hyper-educated on all aspects of their client, the the animal. And I think there's probably opportunities for a retailer who, you know, if you're, even if you're just selling to women's, if you're selling women's clothing, there's still still a niche inside your customer base that you can really get to know and think about what what is my customer thinking, feeling, and doing in their real life and what do I need to know about that subject so that I can connect with my core customer.
0: I love that. Yeah. The I mean, gosh, that's something on this podcast I preach so much is the importance of having your customer and really getting like deep into not just the product that they're buying, but what are they excited about right now? What are they scared of right now? What are their hopes for their future? What are they anxious about? And it doesn't mean that we are, you know, because mar- good marketing is either pushing towards a hope and a goal, or it's pulling away from a fear or a challenge. Uh, and it doesn't mean that our copy, our sales copy is literally like, you know, um, don't have a fat dog. Like, it's not <laughs> right. that. It is instead, it's the creative way that puts the fun spin on the deeper issue. Um, and if right. We don't like, really like we want our dogs to live is, as long
1: as possible. We want yes. our dogs to live as long as possible. And so let's, let's see if we can feel the dog's ribs and, you know, some, some pet re- retailers even have scales, like a, a weight scale. So then they, and they do challenges where the dog comes in for its weekly weigh in oh and my they, God. yeah. And it brings the person back because normally you can't get your dog on a scale unless they go to the vet's office, you know, so you can wow. actually,
0: yeah. I love that. So for those of you listening, especially, I hope you're, if you are in the car or on the treadmill, this may not apply to you. Uh, But if you're note takers, which gosh, I've gotten so much from this. I take notes when I'm interviewing, I think, because Candice, you're brilliant. Um, So the four things that you got to make sure that you're getting here that I think we can all learn from the pet world um, is one, understand, I think I'm going to pull yours even up another level if that's okay. Yeah. But the way that you can... Um, look at your customer and what else are they interested in and what other businesses could we collaborate with that aren't competitors. They are businesses that are in a parallel to who your perfect customer would serve. And for a lot of people in the pet space, there's such a, an opportunity there to uh, one bring in product that relates to that, but then also collaborate with other businesses. So understand who your perfect customer is and what other interests do they have outside of what you sell and how can we incorporate that in some way. The second that I loved was loyalty. The pet industry does this honestly probably better than anyone and people are obsessed with this stuff and based on how your perfect customer is, what could this look like? And I realized that if you're a high-end apparel business, it's not going to be you know, buy 11 dresses and get a right. 12 free, <laughs> but it can look like something else. Mm-hmm. Spend X amount of money and get a get a VIP party for you and your friends. right? Whatever that could be, it can look different in every single space. But consider how do you keep people coming back? How do you keep them loyal to your business and incentivize them spending more with you? Because at the end of the day, like I know my wife buys makeup where she buys her makeup purely because the loyalty points that she gets. Yeah. That's the only reason she's getting it. So pull that in. Uh, The pet world has added services. and, And I would even pull that. And you alluded to all of these things as you were listing that off. The pet world is investing in a whole experience. Even outside of what they sell, they're creating this space and this way of, hey, come here for all these. If you need to wash your dog. Great. Let's give them a bath here. You want a cup of coffee? Great. That person that identifies as a pet owner wants to be around other pet owners and they're passionate about it. Well, I think we can learn, we can apply this to so many other spaces. And lastly, I think this one's so important is you talking about becoming an expert in the women's apparel world. It's not just learning what's cute. It's learning how things fit on certain body types. What is it that And a body type that's not yours what makes someone look and feel beautiful in the home decor world what other decorating styles that maybe you don't have could you become an expert in so that way you can serve your customer in unique ways um that was that was gold i hope (laughs) that those of you listening got so much from it um so i first off i want to share uh, if you guys don't know, uh, Candace has an incredible podcast that just launched a, a little while ago. Um, and so I hope that you'll check it out. Uh, so in, it, we'll link to it in the show notes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can search for the Pet Boss podcast and find her. Um, yes, definitely for the pet industry. But I think that even those of you not in it can learn a thing or two. Because
1: Yeah, you- I even had... Um, the woman who does my hair here in town, she's like, I started watching your Facebook lives and <laughs> they listen to my podcast too. So, you know, just replace, replace pets with whatever you sell. Cause business is business. And, uh, I like to give a dose of, I think, inspiration and fun. So you can, you can connect with us anywhere. Uh, but just go to petboss.com. Easy to remember petboss.com and you can find all our stuff.
0: I love it. Yeah. And you know, if people do want to connect, so there's petboss. petboss.com. Where else can people connect with you or learn more about what you do?
1: Well, I have a a pet industry Facebook group. So if you just search Pet Boss on Facebook, you'll find our group. It's for brands, sales reps, photographers, bloggers, retail store owners, pet sitters, really anybody who works in the pet industry or has clients in the pet industry. Like Josh, you're in that group too, um, can join us there. So go ahead and find that. And, uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook and I you know speak at local trade or not local, but I speak at trade shows, uh, in the pet industry. So I'll be at global pet expo. And I've been speaking there every, uh, for the last five years and I'll be at super zoo this year. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm ready to get out and about.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, if you're going to any of those markets, swing by and say hello to her, um, and definitely connect, you know, on her Facebook group or, whatever honestly if you are a pet retailer you know i can't recommend her enough for anyone but specifically for the pet world uh i really do mean this i would say this even if she wasn't here if someone messaged me and said i'm opening a pet store who do i need to learn from canis would be the first person that i would say so oh, canis thank you for having or for being with me today uh i gosh i took away so much from it and i know that our listeners did too so thank you so much
1: Thank you for having me, this has been so fun.
0: Awesome, well, hey, if you are listening to this, uh, two things that I ask of you. Uh, One, if you could click subscribe, you know, we put episodes out every single week, uh, whether it be interviews just like this one, or uh, solo episodes where I dissect what we just talked about and dive in a little bit more, Uh, and then leave a review. Let us know if you're finding this information valuable. Uh, We definitely wanna hear from you. And honestly, those reviews are a way that you can give back to hopefully what is valuable in this podcast because it helps other people just like you find us. So uh, subscribe and leave a review. And thank you so much for listening.